Hey, good morning, everybody at 24 and uh, whoever else might be tuning in uh, out there on the interwebs. And uh, we uh, were so glad that you would join us this morning. I'm joined today uh, with my lovely wife, uh, who is also the mother to our seven million children. <laughs> and uh, we, uh, I've asked her to come along with me today for the ride of the, of the message today because uh, uh, what we're talking about today, I just felt like it would be good to have uh, not just a male's perspective, but a, a female's perspective as well. Um, so before we even get into that today, I just want to say uh, thank you to everyone that uh, continues to reach out, uh, comments on our page, uh, all that kind of stuff. Feel free to comment uh, in the feed uh, on this if you're watching on Facebook or even on YouTube. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in, um, and uh, and just know that we've got people there. If, if you need if you need help, please reach out during the week or while you're watching this. Either one, uh, we're glad to to be there for you, however we can be. Uh, one of the things I just want to make quick mention of uh, because and you've probably seen uh, I'm assuming the pictures on social media and the videos and things of uh, the things that are happening at our building right now construction wise uh, really no matter what's going on for at least a little period of time here we we've we kind of committed uh, we didn't kind of commit we committed uh, uh, to uh, allowing our construction crew to just have full reign of the place and just do what needs to be done which uh, honestly is going to help them to move through I think more quickly uh, probably save the church some money uh, in that process as well. Uh, but uh, anyway, I know a lot of people are jonesing to get back. I, I don't know that just even with the size of the church that even still would we even be able to just rush right back, even uh, just the way the things are being recommended or whatever. And you know who knows how all that's going to go. Uh, but anyway, neither here nor there. Uh, that stuff's going on and uh, continue to stay tuned for that. Uh, and if we remain uh, a little bit longer online than maybe some other sister churches or whatever, uh, don't don't think it's because... Uh, that we think you smell bad. Uh, we uh, we love you, and we can't look forward. I, I'm just telling you, we we can't look forward enough uh, to getting to worship together with you and seeing you uh, and all those things um, in the days to come. So, uh, anyway, uh, I want to jump into this passage today and jump into this message. Uh, this message um, <clears throat> is covering something that I think I think we all want. We want, and, and that is that we want God to lead us. We want to be led by God. We, you know, people say all the time, I wish God would show me the way. Well, technically he has. And I think for so many people, they, they, they don't really see it that way. But scripture helps us to see it that way. And that's, and that's his word. And that's what we rest in and, and rest on and trust in and all those things. And so um, this passage that we're looking at today is a continuation of, the, of the, uh, the book that we've been going through, which is Colossians. Colossians chapter 3 is where we are today. If you want to turn there uh, at home and follow along with us, we'd love for you to do that. In this passage today, it follows back up uh, behind the passage that we finished last week, which was about putting on these certain things. Uh, and, and Paul is in the middle of this instruction of trying to help the people at that early church in Colossae uh, understand that they, that they need not be worried about all the things of this world, but to pursue the things of Christ, uh, to pursue running toward Him uh, and all of that. And, and this, this is part of that. But uh, there's some pieces in here that uh, get a little racy, uh, you know, at times for people in culture, especially today, 
But I want to kind of flip that today because I think that part of what people don't realize is that this passage was racy when Paul wrote it uh, back mm-hmm. then in a completely different way and not the way that most people would read this. Uh, a lot of people re- might read this and take it out of context. Uh, today, I want to take it in the context of how uh, God intended it. Uh, I want to want to just throw this at you as we're as we're thinking about. Uh, God leading us. Psalm 119 says this in verse 105. It says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. A lamp to my feet, a light to my path. Your word. He's talking about scripture. He's talking about, he's talking about God's word. And so, um, you know, for us to understand today uh, that God, God does want to lead us, uh, God has uh, called us and designed us in a certain way uh, to fit together as people in a certain way in this world. Uh, and this morning, as we're looking through this, part of that uh, is understanding that as Christians and even as Christian families, uh, there is some design. Now, let me preface even this with saying uh, this, that, uh, that you know, you may be a single person and you may, uh, we may get into some of this. And we're talking about some, some husbands and wives and children and some of these things. And you may feel like this doesn't apply to you. I, I'm telling you, it, it applies to, applies mm-hmm. to all of us uh, because what we see through this passage is we see some equality that I think a lot of people do not see uh, as Paul is meaning for it to be seen, and as God is meaning for it to be seen through this passage, uh, that that there's a quality amongst all of us under the lordship of Jesus, and so. Uh, but then, even in that, there are roles. There are there are these things that God has given us as part of His design and how He created us uh, as His people. And so, this morning, I, I want to read. In fact, I'm going to read. Uh, this uh, this first section, this this passage that we're looking at today, it's not a very long passage, uh, but it's kind of divided into three sections. It probably isn't in your Bible, but if you really look at it, uh, there's three sections. The first section, a couple of verses, talks about husbands and wives. The second section uh, that we see talks about uh, children and parents. And then the, the, the third section that we see uh, talks about masters uh, and slaves or bond servants at that point in time. Now, don't get too caught up in the whole like, oh, Paul's being pro-slavery. This is like such a normal part of their culture at that point in time. Uh, and, and, and to be honest with you, Paul is sticking his neck out on the line for people who were slaves at that time in the way that he teaches through this. And I'll point that out as we kind of get into that. And hopefully that'll make more sense to you today. But I, I want to go ahead and read just the beginning of this passage. Um, uh, Colossians 3, verse 18, it says this. It says, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Now, Contrary to popular belief, uh, this this passage doesn't mean what some people want it to mean. Some people want this to be a you know a beat down on the ladies and dudes rule and you know you know girls drool and all that kind of stuff. Uh, that, that's that's not that's not what this is, this is going at. Uh, in fact, I wanted to ask Erin. Uh, part of why I wanted her to be in on this today was I thought it would be nice uh, to have the perspective of a lady if we can call you that, hey. uh, a lady's perspective uh, of somebody that I know personally who loves Jesus um, and I know has spent a great deal of time even looking uh, at this and what does it mean in her life. What, what, what are your thoughts on uh, wives submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord? Well, I would say, first of all, it is 
a blessing when you do read these two verses together. When when you see that God is saying, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. And to be honest, um, as I have had conversations with women over the years and people have come and talked with me and I've thought these things through, um, I've always been able to share that it is a blessing in my life to submit to someone who loves me well, you know? And so when you are in a relationship where you know your husband loves you, um, it sure makes it different to fall under his leadership, to defer to him. I don't mind deferring to a someone who has my best interest at heart. And so it doesn't make that sound... Um, harsh to me because I'm in a loving relationship. Um, and so that would always be the first thing I would point out is that that makes it a really a lovely thing. Um, I, I know that I'm loved well, and so I can trust him. And that's where that trust comes in. Um, submitting to someone doesn't mean you lose who you are. It doesn't mean that you um, lose parts of your personality or anything like that. Chris loves the things that make me me. I'm still Aaron. Most of um, them. Most of them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there are a few, I'm sure, um, that he could do without. But, uh, but you know, submitting to someone in this type of relationship just really shows how much I trust him, how much I respect him, um, and that I want to see um, where God is leading him to lead our family and that I can trust him in that. Um, I also find it extremely encouraging as I just like Chris talked about, when I look at the things that um, were mentioned in the previous verses from last week and the things that God is asking us to put on, you know, every day in, really, in all of our relationships, uh, to put on a compassionate heart and kindness and humility and meekness and patience and forgiveness. Um, if, and then, of course, he talked last week about how above all those things is love. And the love is like the belt that holds those things together, right? If we've piled on all these things, um, love is what holds them together. And when Chris and I were talking about this this week, um, I was just telling him, it seems to me that if I am coming into my marriage as a wife with a compassionate heart and kindness and humility and patience and all these things, um, I'm going to listen to my husband with a different ear than if I didn't have these things. And so um, when I imagine and think about a husband and wife relationship. And I think of a wife who is listening to her husband through these things, through compassion and kindness and humility and patience and meekness. Um, it makes me think that the wife would hear, have time to hear his heart. And so you won't respond as quickly or harshly or rashly um, in different situations because you're going to take the time to understand the heart behind what he might be leading your family to do. And I think that putting these things on is really going to transform your relationship with anyone, but especially your husband. Um, and I wanted to read some verses from Titus chapter 2. Um, <clears throat> Titus chapter two, verse five, um, actually verse three, I'm sorry, three through five. It says, older women likewise are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, nor enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good. 
so that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands so that the word of God will not be dishonored. Um, And so it goes back in verse four, it says, so that they may encourage the young women. Well, God's gonna ask them to encourage young women, young wives on the things that are most important, you know, in their marriages, in their homes, right? And so these things are um, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, um, being subject to their husbands, And then the last part says, so that the word of God will not be dishonored. Um, In another version, it says, so the word of God would not be reviled, which means criticized. Um, And the Bible is very clear that marriage is a picture of God's relationship with the church. And so, um, you know, the church as a whole is the bride of Christ, right? So the church is submissive, submits to the father who is our bridegroom, just like I as a wife would submit to my husband. And so when we follow the Lord closely in these things, loving our husbands well and respecting them and deferring to them and honoring them, we are showing the world what it looks like for the church to fall under the leadership of the father. If we don't follow in these things, then Titus tells us, the word of God would be dishonored. You know, so our relationship with our husband is, it's more important than just in our home and just our family. It is a picture to the world um, of what that relationship really looks like. Um, And we have a lot, we have a lot in our hands as the wife and the mom in our home. You know what I mean? We have a lot of say, a lot of clout. Honestly, you know, people say that the the mom, the wife is the heartbeat of our home. Um, and there is a verse in Pro- Proverbs, the last verse I'll share, and then I'll stop jabbering on. Um, it's Proverbs 14, verse one. It says, the wise woman builds her house, but the foolish tears it down with her own hands. Um, and that verse is a strong verse, but it is a, it's a reminder that we <clears throat> have a choice in the way that we act and respond and either to build up our home by following the plan and the design and the role that God has given us or tearing it down by forging our own path and doing what we think is best when we've been given a, a plan here. I think one of the things about this passage that we see, uh, again, going back to, we see Paul uh, addressing women and men, husbands and wives equally. Uh, and you may say, oh, no, I, I don't see it that way. You know, he's mm-hmm. saying, you know, submit here and love there and all that kind of stuff. And those are the two words that he, you know, says, wives submit, husbands love, if you really look, look at just those first two words in each verse. Um, but I, I, want you, I want you to understand something. Historically speaking, at this point in time in history, this was a big deal. Like women were considered possessions. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you know, it, it would have been like, uh, you know, I don't know, like anything else you own. Maybe, maybe it would have been on the higher up of the list of things you own, but you would have owned as a husband you would have owned your wife like i own a car i don't know if we got a title to our wives back then or how that works and put all the titles away in the same spot i don't know uh but either way again this was a paul was taking a huge step forward in 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 saying something and making a point to something 
Yes, he says, wives, submit your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. Uh, But he's also saying, husbands, love your wives Mm -hmm. and do not be harsh with them. This was new news to men at this point in time. This was not something uh, that men were being taught to do, to love their wives well and all of this. I mean, in that culture, this was huge. He was, he was, he was again, he was sticking his neck out uh, to say something. And, and at the same time, he's giving both of them duties, uh, different, different things that they are to be about. And you may say, well, you know, that submit word, Chris, that makes me, you know, like, eh, you know, or whatever. And I get that, uh, but but I want you to understand something. It's 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 this hierarchy here that that God has created uh, within uh, the the family unit, and it's not a less or more. It's not a one's better than the other or whatever it is. Uh, God made men and women very differently, and I and I wholly believe, truly believe, with all my heart. Uh, that he did that in his design, knowing uh, that we would be better at certain things than others. Not saying that one person can't do something, one person can, you know, don't go there with it. That's that's not what he's talking about. Uh, it says, for men, he says, husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Men, let me let me let me talk to you about that for just a minute. If you go to Ephesians five. Yeah, the way that is spelled out even more clearly is that we are called to love our wives as Christ has loved the church. Go to Ephesians 5.25 and check that out for yourself. That we're called to love our wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her and showing her without spot, spot or wrinkle or blemish or any such thing. I mean, it goes on and on. And it's painting this picture that for us as men, we're called to do what Jesus has done for the church for our wives. So literally, we should be willing to love them and care for them to the point of giving our life for them. So a man that is doing that is is a man that truly loves his wife, is is not going to be a man that's going to do something that's going to put her in harm. He's not, that's not, that's not the kind of guy that's going to uh, expect submission, you know, and all this kind of mm-hmm. stuff. That, that's it's not that. It's just not that. Uh, but it is showing us something that is so good for us to see uh, in this equality and submissiveness that they coexist. And you go, Chris, that can't coexist. Yes, it absolutely can. It can coexist. And in fact, we we not only see it coexist in Scripture uh, between husbands and wives, uh, or parents and children, we'll get in and see some of that here in just a minute, uh, but we see it in the Trinity. You see it in uh, the Trinity, talking about God Himself, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. What do we see? We see that that they are equals, they are equally God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. But what? We see Jesus come under the authority of the Father. And it's not a it's not a knock on Jesus. I can guarantee you that. We're not doing that here. Uh, you know, and, and so I think for us just to understand the importance of like how big this is and how we love well. Let, let me let me put it to you like this. You say, well, Chris, you know, every, every guy I've dated, you know, uh, you know, I, I'm not even sure if he really loves me or whatever it is. Uh, or I'm dating, let's say, let's say I'm dating a guy right now and I don't think he loves me. Well, let me, let me just say this. If he doesn't love you like Christ loved the church, if you don't think that the guy you're dating loves you as much as Jesus loved his church, move on. He's not the guy. Mm-hmm. 
if you're a believer, if you're a Christian, and, and you're wanting to follow the Lord through His design of what He's called us to as part of families, and, I, and listen, I know a lot of people may have not understood that at some point in life before they got married. I totally get that. And that's a whole other thing of like trying to figure out what's this look like for us now as a family. Um, you know, but for us that for those of you that are that are still trying to figure that out, I'll just put it like this. I don't I don't want my kids. I don't want my son to ever marry a woman that he's not willing to love her like Christ has loved the church, willing to give his life for her. Uh, you know, uh, that that's that's the bare minimum qualification for him to get married uh, to some young lady one day. Uh, and the same thing for my daughters. I don't want my daughters to marry men that aren't going to love them the way Jesus has loved the church and say, Chris, you're asking a whole lot. I'm absolutely, absolutely. asking a whole lot. I am absolutely, they are my stinking kids. Like you think I'm going to just, oh yeah, just marry whoever you want to. No, <laughs> you know, and listen, all out of love because I want them I want my daughters to be protected by a man one day. I want my son one day uh, to want to protect his wife, to love her, to care for her. What's it say? Uh, uh, husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. And do not be harsh with them. Okay? Those are, those are big words. These were big words uh, at this at this point in time. I, I read uh, somewhere uh, a little survey that said something about uh, when... Uh, Husbands and wives were asked about uh, statements that they would make, uh, like how what what's an important statement to make about your spouse. This the the top two answers were this. Uh, the first answer was uh, my spouse is my best friend, and the second answer was I like my spouse as a person. I don't I don't want to like my spouse as a person. I want to love my spouse as my best friend. And I, I obviously, as a pastor who cares for people, I, I want that for you as well uh, if, if you are to get married at some point in your life. I want that for my children. Uh, going on into verse 20, it says, Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Uh, and what what we have here is is we have what we know is the fifth commandment, uh, you know, out of Exodus twenty. Uh, in fact, first verse twelve there. Um, but what we see here is we see this this understanding again of submission of of children coming under the submission of parents. Again, these are roles that God has created uh, the way He He designed us. And 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 honestly, here's what I love about this role is we see this role not just between parents and children uh, in an earthly sense, but we also see this role played out between He and us uh, as children of God uh, and Him as the Father, uh, that uh, this understanding that He knows better for us and He cares for us uh, like a good parent would a child. Uh, and, and so same thing, a good parent who knows better for their children is going to Ask of them things that protect them. may not be things that they always like. They may not get to uh, watch Lightning McQueen all day long. You know, that's, Cash you know, would love that. Cash would love Lightning McQueen all day long. I mean, there's, I mean, today he was asking me if Lightning, he, he'll come that, he'll come to me and say, does Lightning McQueen work on your phone? 
What he, what he means is, can I watch Lightning McQueen on your phone? I was like, nobody, not right now. And so, uh, but yeah, you know, it, it's just one of those things. And, and it's a simple thing. Uh, but, it, it, you know, let's let's say you're a child and we're all children, okay, uh, at some point here. Uh, we're all children and we're all called to obey our parents. And it says, in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Uh, and that's not always easy. Even even as grown people, that's not always easy to come under that authority. Uh, and I'm going to read another passage here in a minute that uh, helps protect us also from the insane situations. You may be sitting here right now and going, Chris, I, I you know I, I don't know about submitting to a spouse that is going to harm me, uh, lead me to sin. Same thing with the parent thing. Uh, it's not talking about that. In fact, we've got scripture elsewhere that we're going to share in just a second uh, that helps us to to know that uh, for sure. Okay, verse twenty one. It goes on. It says, "Fathers, do not provoke your children." lest they become discouraged. And I know it doesn't say mothers here, but I mean, it's giving, it's giving this, you know, uh, as a, you know, parents, I really believe, you do not provoke your children. And honestly, I think, especially in the culture in which Paul was teaching this in at this point in time, the fathers would have been the one uh, that would have been more guilty of this. This would have been, you know, the, the father would have been the disciplinarian at, you know, probably all the time, um, you know, kind of thing. And so, uh, this idea to not provoke your children, uh, that they would not become uh, discouraged, I think is huge. You know, we, we talked uh, earlier today, uh, and, and, you know, of course, we, are, are, we, have, you know, we have a perfect family plan and all this kind of stuff. We, we do not have a perfect family plan. Uh, but one of the things that we talked about earlier today was, was having a parenting plan that goes along with this that the kids are aware of. Um, so that like the ground rules are laid and there's no surprises when uh, one of them, you know, uh, does something that they're not supposed to do. Uh, and, and that when it is that way, uh, that for us as parents, if we can come into those situations uh, with that and, and, and ask questions. Here's one of the things that I feel like I've learned in parenting more recently uh, and I do this in counseling, do this in a lot of other situations, is to ask a lot of questions. Uh, so when a situation arises, why did you do that? You know, uh, what's going on? What's going on with you? You know, and, and you just kind of keep digging. And sometimes, sometimes what you find out is that there's something going on with that child that they need to be heard in. Mm -hmm. They need to talk. They need to speak about I'm really hurt right now because of this. And so uh, going back to that old statement, you know, hurt people, hurt people. Uh, same thing can go with a child, of course, mm -hmm. uh, is that, you know, maybe maybe they're acting out because they feel hurt because they got left out or, you know, whatever it is. Um, well, I mean, again, when we think about we've been putting on compassionate hearts, you know, especially when you think about a parent and a child, if we can approach them with compassion and try to put ourselves in their place um, and feel what they are feeling, it might help us to respond differently. Um, and having a plan um, ahead of time, you know, for a parent and we can know, okay, when they act this way, we will respond this way. I mean, whether it's with this particular um thing we're going to take away from them or whatever it is, um, it helps us to, it protects us, hopefully, from reacting out of emotion, you know. Uh, it helps us to want to step in um, with compassionate hearts, ask the right questions, and give the appropriate consequence um, without losing our temper, hopefully, um, or anything like that, that 
could provoke or exasperate our children. I think it's easy in those situations to feel like, especially if we've got a lot going on in our own lives, just thinking about whatever it is, work or other things, the you know, paying the rent, uh, being stuck at the house together, you know, what, whatever it is, uh, that it's easy for us to go, you broke my rule, and now I'm going to lay the law down on you. And I, and I think we have, to, we have to get away from that immediate, like, wanting to be mad because we are entitled to being right and being the parent, and mm-hmm. we're going to quickly take care of this and as if this is going to fix it from ever happening again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the truth is that children need to feel loved. They need to feel loved. They need to be respected. They need to feel respected. They need to be heard. When I was a youth pastor, the, the biggest thing that I could do with a kid, and I would have parents all the time come to me and go, oh, you're the teenage whisperer, or, you know, whatever. Will you hang out with my kid and fix him, you know, or whatever it is. And I'm like, well, I can't fix your kid. Uh, but I'd hang out with these kids. And, uh, and uh, you know, the thing that I learned to do early on was just treat them, treat them like I want to be treated. You know, listen, listen to them, you know, hear what they're saying. Of course, we're talking about teenagers here. So we're talking about, you know, we'd end up talking about a lot of teenager stuff where they might have, you know, crazy questions about, you know, whatever it is about things that I, I did or, you know, was a part of or anything like that. Uh, you know, and you may say, well, what about little kids? Same thing. Mm-hmm. Listen, you know, what, what, what do they want to talk about? Because guess what? They do want to talk. They do want to share things with us. Uh, and, and I think that's a huge piece for us to recognize, to see, uh, and to not miss uh, as part of this calling to being in the family unit. Uh, yes, children obey your parents and everything, for this pleases the Lord. But fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. We don't want to raise children who grow up discouraged that they are a part of our families. Mm-hmm. Like, where, where does that end? Where, where does that end up? That ends up as soon as they can, they are gone, you know? And yeah, you're, you know, there's always going to be those situations where they may still do that because, uh, believe me, I know, and, you know, sometimes a teenager or whoever it is, you know, thinks they've got it all figured out and they're not wanting to listen or whatever it is. I get it. And I was there. You know, we were all teenagers once upon a time. Uh, If you're not one now, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, we get it. We were all there. We had it all figured out. We knew better than they did. Um, And the truth is we didn't. And uh, and it's patience and it's love, uh, but with respect and and, and listening to them. And and that can go so far. Uh, And hopefully hopefully that's helpful. Uh, to somebody there, and and, and and it's just straight from God's Word. Again, fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Mm-hmm. May we be encouragers of our children. May we be their biggest champions, not, not just in the stands at a ball game, okay, but in life, in their pursuit of who Jesus is, um, what they want to do for a living, the, the hobbies, the interests they have, or whatever. Well, and just like out of love for the Father, you know, we want to, as Christians, follow Him and serve Him and love Him and obey the things He calls us to do. Um, That's the hope in our families, is that hopefully out of love that they would want to obey um, instead of feeling um, discouraged by trying to obey and never receiving love and never feeling that and kind of giving up on that. Verse 22 goes on, and this is that third section uh, talking about masters and slaves. I want to read uh, these three 
uh, four verses together, and then I'll come. Well, these three. I want to read these three verses together, and then we'll keep going here. It says, uh, "Bond servants obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily for the Lord, and not for men." Knowing that the Lord will receive, you will receive. Uh, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Now, again, got to take into context. This was, I mean, everybody that everybody that was a somebody was a master, and they had people that worked for them as servants. Um, and and we can get into all kinds of stuff with that. Uh, here's the thing that I see in this passage is that Paul is trying to, he's not pro, he's not trying to be pro-slavery here in this passage. What he is trying to do is he's trying to encourage those people that are in slavery and those people who are even masters. And you go, well, Chris, we're not, you know, we're not slaves, we're not masters today. Yes, I, I get that, uh, you know. Uh, and so, but one of the things that I think is a great takeaway from this uh, is for those of us that God has put, basically what Paul is trying to do is he's trying to cover all the bases of all people that they could see that God has at times in their lives put authority over them. And whoever that authority is has been put there for a reason. And oftentimes it's not because that person's like the most godly person ever and they're the greatest person or the greatest boss or the greatest, uh, maybe, they're, maybe they're not the greatest parent or the greatest whatever, the greatest husband or you know, whatever it may be. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, there's still a purpose behind it. Sometimes that purpose is, is that, that that person who is over us in authority, they may see Jesus in us in some way that makes them take notice. Here it says, verse 22, bond servants, obey, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. You know, it basically this is it's just, you know, Paul's just saying, don't just don't just do this when you know they're looking, this, you know, the way of eye service. Don't be a people pleaser, he says. He's saying, don't just do this when they're looking. Mm -hmm. Do this all the time. Let it be with sincerity of heart, you know, that you do your work, that you do the thing that God has given you to do for that moment in time. He says, even fearing the Lord. I want to keep going here. It says, verse 23, whatever you do, work heartily for the Lord and not for men. So he's saying, work heartily, work hard. Work with all your heart. Like put your heart into your work and, and, and not even for your boss, not even for the master, for the slave, uh, but for the Lord. And, 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 I, and, and man, we've got scripture all over the place that's like pushing us in this direction. But it's this reminder that in all things that we do, we are called to do it for the glory of God. We're called to do it for him. Work hard for the Lord. Verse 24, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward, you are serving the Lord Christ. And here is this huge statement that Paul's making. So if you think that this is anything to do with like Paul trying to keep a man down or any of that kind of stuff, and that he's pro-slavery or whatever, this is not that. And in fact, Paul says something here that probably helped lead to getting him killed, if nothing else, uh, you know, is that, he, I'll just read it again, knowing that from the Lord you will receive. Who's he talking to? He's talking to the slave. 
knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. He says, don't worry about serving that master. You serve the Lord in those things that you've been, that you've been given to do, whatever is your calling right now. And in fact, he is giving you, Paul is saying, God is giving you equal inheritance as your reward. You are an equal in the kingdom of God. I mean, how awesome is that? And again, he, he's, he's doing that throughout this passage. That's, that's this like basis for this that I think that we understand uh, that that's where Paul's heart is. He's, he's not, he's, it's not about him trying to put people in their place. It's Paul trying to help people pursue God. That they might that they might be led by him, that he might be at work in their lives, that that they may be able to trust in him and allow him to lead them to light their way. Remember, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Verse twenty five says, "For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality." So you know, right there. I mean, this is you know, Paul's throwing in there this piece of like understanding, uh, you know, that we we don't need to be worried about the wrongdoers. I, I know that you know everybody, everybody wants justice. You know, we've got legal system in place, and you can say whatever you want to about all that kind of stuff. Uh, but at the end of the day, it is not for us to stay up anxious at night, worried about what's going to happen if, if justice is going to be had over something. Uh, he says, I'll just read it again. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. The Lord takes care of that stuff, and He will take care of that stuff. And then, if you go to Colossians 4, verse 1, where this is the last verse, it says, Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you have a master in heaven. Paul, Paul might have been signing his death wish writing something like that. I mean, again... Uh, saying something that had never been said before, had never been brought up before probably, uh, at least not in this way. And here, Paul is, is going all out there and saying, look, even you the master. So he's talked to the slave. He's talked to the servant. He's, he's trying to encourage them, hey, own what, where you are in this moment in life right now um, and, and just go with it and, and know that, the, that you're doing it for the Lord and you're going to receive the same inheritance the rest of us are. And then on top of that, he turns around and he says to the masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly. Well, who, I'm sure if you were back then, if you were a master, you're probably like, who's this guy? Who's he think he is? You know, kind of thing. But then he says, knowing that you have a master in heaven. And so it's this reminder, and it's a reminder for us as, as it would have been for them. It's a reminder for us today, for any one of us that have been put into authority, Christian employer, a boss, anyone with authority, pay attention. We have been called. We have been called knowing that we have a master in heaven. We have been called to treat those justly and fairly that God has put in our lives under us to help lead and care for and all those things. So what makes all this so hard? We, we want to buck these things. We want to buck the, the words like submit and all that kind of stuff. But here's the truth. Here's the truth. We don't want to buck those things when they come with like a great paycheck. Now do we? Right? Like if I said, I'm going to pay you a million dollars, but you got to do everything. I said, well, sign me up. You know, where's the million dollar check, Right? 
What God has done for us and has for us is so much greater. Mm -hmm. The inheritance is so much greater than some million dollar job. So what changes our hearts toward this? What changes our hearts toward this is the work of Jesus itself. And when we come back to what Christ, what Christ has done, which is what Paul is trying to keep as the central theme, as the entire book of Colossians, that we would trust in Jesus, let everything rest in Jesus, that, that we can then do what he said right before this passage, which is to put on these things, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, forgiveness. We're not able to do that because we're great. We're able to do that because God is great, and He's done that for us. All, all of the calling that we've been given in all circumstances, whatever, how bad of a circumstance you may be in right this second, or how great of a circumstance you may be in right this second, our calling is for His glory. That in all things we would do things for Him. That we would make Him known. That people would see Christ in us. Submission isn't to the point of sin or harm. And remember I mentioned that I had a, I had a verse for you uh, that helped, helped us to be reminded of this. Acts 5.29 says this. It says, But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. We must obey God rather than men. So if, if at any point throughout this message you thought that I'm teaching you something that is like literally to put you into the harm of, of something uh, or something like that or, or to lead you into sin and away from the Lord by submitting to someone and something that they're wanting you to do, whatever that looks like, that, that is not the case. What's it say? We must obey God rather than men. Okay, so yeah, we're called to submit. We're called to that. But not if it puts us into harm, you know, not, not at all. In fact, if, if you're in harm's way right now because you're in a situation, we would love for you to reach out to us. We will help. We will help. We've, I've called the police so many times with people. I mean, this and legally it's what I'm supposed to do and it's what I do uh, in situations like that. I don't mind being the scapegoat if that's what needs to happen. But we want people to be protected, but we also want them to be led by the Lord. And so, again, we must obey God rather than men. So, in your life, thinking back to the submission thing, and, you know, as a wife, you know, what's, is there something that you kind of look back on? It was like a, a moment or a, a memory or anything like that? Yeah, um, and of course, um, we all, being married to different men, different husbands, will face different like big situations, big changes, big things that could happen where we really need to fall, you know, under um, the sub submission to our husband. But um, I remember when we were engaged, I was driving down the road. I was driving home to my aunt's house where I lived at the time. I'm praying, praying a lot. It was scary and wonderful to be getting married. And um, just praying a lot about us and about the, our future um, and the ministry that I was going to be a part of and all this kind of stuff. And I remember God, I have had a few times in my life where I just had this like very powerful moment with the Lord. I remember him really speaking to me. And he said so very clearly in the car that night, um, you and Chris will be a part of something different, something 
separate. It almost felt like he was saying that there would be something that Chris and I would do that was different. And I thought, hmm. And I just kind of tucked that away in my heart. I just kind of saved it for later. You know, I thought, well, that's interesting, but I don't know what that is. I knew it probably wasn't youth ministry with the way he was speaking to me. And that's what we were doing at the time. Um, Well, then um, a little while later, Chris was taking um, some seminary courses. And at the time, he was taking what were called extension courses. um, That basically means you would only take whatever classes they had available. You didn't even get to choose them. And of course, we all know how wonderful this is because one of the classes that he had to take was on church planting because God knew what was coming, right? And um, so he came home. I was standing in the kitchen. He came home one night after class and he said, hey, just so you know, uh, don't be surprised someday if God calls us to plant a church. And I just added that up with what God had put on my heart before we were married. And I thought, hmm, okay. And I just let that sit there. And this was still um, two years at this point before God would call us to plant 24. Um, Well, then when Chris finally came to me with the huge calling and life change of us planting a church and starting from scratch and having no salary and moving back in with his parents and starting from nowhere, um, God had been working on my heart for years to prepare me um, to respond to him well in that moment. And so um, I would just to me, that's a huge encouragement. Um, God knows what's coming. He knows um, the situations that you're going to be placed in. And he, if you will allow him and you'll be seeking him and you will spend time with him, he wants to speak to you now, just small little things all along the way to prepare you for what he has in store. So, I think it is easy to say that we want God to lead us. It's a whole nother thing to truly submit to His authority and, and just say, God, Psalm 119, 105 is, is for me. Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Mm-hmm. Like, do we really believe that? Do we really trust in Him? Do we trust His Word to help even mold and shape uh, what our family looks like or what our life looks like or, or, or who we are as an employer or an employee uh, or a, a child or parent? or husband, or wife, or friend. Uh, because at the end of the day, what Paul is saying here is saying, lean on the Lord. Put your trust in Christ. A life worth living is one that is led by Jesus. Light my way, Lord. I'm praying today that you would allow God to light your way. I'm praying that in my own life. And, uh, and, and we will all continue to seek Him, hopefully, in doing so. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for allowing us just some time uh, together as your church, God, in your word. And God, I, I pray that, uh, that you would be glorified in, in what we've been uh, talking about, what we've been studying through today. Uh, God, may people see you in us in all things, but especially today, we pray that people would see us in you and in, in these facets of our life as, as, as we're all children or if we're a parent, or if we're a wife, or a husband, uh, an employer, an employee. God, in in all these ways, in all these things, God, I pray that you would work in our lives, Lord, that people would see you in us. Um, God, I pray, Lord, that you would lead someone maybe that doesn't know you uh, to trust in you today, to hear that the inheritance is the same for all. God, that is so huge today. God, that is for anyone that trusts and believes in you. God, we, we pray right now for those folks that don't know you, have never trusted in you, 
Lord, that your word might light their way, that, that you might light their way just as you have for those of us who have believed already. God, continue to lead us, guide us in this life, and uh, may it all be for your glory in the end. Uh, Lord, light our way. We ask this in your Son's name. Amen.